0: I want to welcome all of our campuses to the second week of our series entitled Triggers. Come on. Let's just welcome all those that are joining us, all of our physical locations, those that are joining us online each week. We are in a series and I want to begin by asking some questions. What are the things? What are the things that cause you to go from 0 to 60 in like 2 seconds? What are the things that cause your heart to panic? that word panic, even just mentioning that word, what are those things? What are those things that cause intense fear in your life? One more question. What are the things that when they happen to you, you're even surprised by your reactions? You're thinking, man, it seems like I just overreacted in that sense. What are those things? Is it situations? Maybe it's a familiar situation that Kind of recycles in your life. You're like, oh, wait a minute, time out. Huh. I remember in 2005 Hurricane Katrina, and I and 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 you guys don't know, but man, I, I remember where I lived, and 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 I, I'm saying this is one of your situations, and 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 you may have lost everything. Will you come August, you hear any newscaster, they say something that may have be forming off of Africa, and all of a sudden, this flood of emotion comes through your body. What's happening? Maybe it's an environment. You walk into an environment and it's eerily similar to an environment maybe where you've experienced some sort of an abusive situation. And and it's almost like all of your senses just start overloading in in, in that moment. What, What is happening to your body in that moment? Or maybe it's a relationship. It's a relationship that comes across your path and you're thinking... Same personality, same demeanor, same style, different name. But boy, my, my palms. I actually had a lady tell me this one time. Pastor Steve, when this particular prayer, it's like my, my palms begin to start, they start getting sweaty. And I, I, I can feel my, my blood pressure rising. What is going on inside of you during those moments? Let me tell you, here it is. It's called you're being triggered. We're in a series called Triggers. Now, you may ask, what is a trigger? I'm going to give you a definition in just a moment. Let me give you first our purpose for this series. It's twofold. Number one, one, it's for us to identify what's triggering us, what situation, what environment, what relationship. Number two, that how we not only can identify what's triggering us, but how we can renew our mind. Did you know, and this may be totally radical for people that are new to the Christian faith, or those of you that maybe are checking out Christianity. The Bible talks about, how you can actually renew or rewire your mind. You can actually think different. You can actually create new pathways in your mind. Now, scientists and neuroscientists may discover that today, the Apostle Paul taught us that 2,000 years ago. Number one, why are you triggered? And number two, not only can you identify those triggers, but how can we respond differently? Because here's what I found. If we don't understand our triggers... If we understand why we're triggered, we can turn and we can actually make fleshly decisions. Because a trigger demands a response. What is a trigger? Let me give you a definition. A trigger is a stimulus that shapes our thoughts, our actions, and it demands a response. I don't want us to in any way make light of triggers that are serious, particularly those of you that have been in any sort of abusive situation. Uh, it's very painful. I... I'm not standing up here in any way suggesting that I can feel everybody's pain. We've all had our own unique story, our own unique experiences. I will say, I've been as a pastor for 22 years in ministry, almost 30 years, and man, some of the stories are just horrific. And, and so when you talk about, even when you talk about this, see a trigger, when you get triggered, you actually, in a sense... You're almost brought back. It's almost like you're transported back. I've had people tell me, Pastor Steve, I was traumatized. This happened. And when I get into a familiar situation, it's almost like I'm brought back and I feel the same feelings like it's happening again trauma, negative experiences. A trigger works very similar to that. Again, I gave you a graph. I'll give it. Again, to you guys, those of you that are joining us online, again, stimulus, everyone say stimulus. Now that's going to be very important because I'm going to end the message by us being aware of what are the stimulus, you could say stimuli, plural, right? What are the stimuli in your life? It's going to be important that we're aware of those things. Number two, it's important for us to be aware of what are our triggers so that we can either eliminate them or reduce them. Why is that important? Because if we don't manage them, they begin to manage and control us. And then number three, ultimately, we want to walk in the Spirit. It's right between two and three. We have a choice. Everyone say a choice. You and I are not animals. We're not led by instinct and appetites. No, no, we we, we are... Moral creatures were made in the image of God, the likeness of God, the dominion of God. In other words, there's an opportunity for us to make a different choice. And we can choose. We can make a decision to allow the Word of God to reshape our mindset, to address those trigger points in our psyche, the suke, the soul, the Bible calls it, where we can rewire our thinking, where we can take off the old and we can, quote, put on the new. I've shared this story before. I had a wonderful mom and stepfather. I had a father who, my blood father was an alcoholic and uh, was out of my life for a large part of my life as a teenager. We, we, didn't, we disappeared literally for six years. And my brother and I had no idea where he was. He wrote a letter when I was 18 and he wanted it back in our life. And and the problem was he was, he was an alcoholic and had drug problems as well and functioning he'd work a job and whatnot but yet boy the piercing nature of his words when he'd get drunk and of course I was a new Christian I wanted to lead him to Christ I wanted him to get saved I mean of course you want everybody to come to Christ particularly those of you that that are in your family or that you know friends and family that are close to me you want them to get saved so about a two-year period of time that he began to drink again. He came back in our life. My brother didn't want have anything to do with him at the time. And, and so I was sh- trying to share Christ with him, and I opened my soul to him. And, of course, his drinking got more and more. Because, again, remember, why is it that we often medicate? Why is it that people use substances and abuse substances? Let me say it that way. It's because they're trying to medicate a pain in their life. Remember that. The, the, the addictive nature, when you're, when you're utilizing anything fill in the blank. You're trying to medicate. That's the medicinal. You're trying to numb the pain. His story is horrific and raising an orphanage, abuse, all kind of stuff. And and so he feared intimacy and relationships. His trigger point was when he would get close to people, he would have to medicate the feelings of potentially being rejected and he would use alcohol. The problem was is that those that were close to him were often at the end of his alcoholic rages and his and and he would say all kinds of stuff to me. And in the first year and it was all about the the culture and the and different things outside and then it became very pointed for one year and it was very pointed against me the words and it was I was the blame for this and I was the blame for that. I just want to say this to everybody, God is not requiring you to be the butt end of anybody's drunken verbal rage. I want Want to let you know that. You are worth more than that. What are you suggesting, pastor? There needs to be some boundaries in place. It affected me deeply. And um, it was shortly thereafter I began to realize that when I'd walk into situations that would be familiar with that, there'd be a tightening in my soul. Have you ever been there before? Everybody say triggers. The good news is is that we don't have to be victims to our past, but we can actually rewire our brain according to the word of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse two, here's what he said. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. So in other words, as we get saved, and for those of you that are just checking out Christianity or that are new in Christ, let me just say this. When you get born again, your spirit comes alive. Immediately you're saved. Your, your heart comes alive to God. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But your mind's not changed immediately. Actually, you begin into a process. It's the process of mind renewal, uh, the process of sanctification. That's a big theological term. What does that mean? That means it's a process of taking off the old and putting on the new. In other words, it's rejecting the lies of the enemy, rejecting old scripts that have been given to you. Some of you have been given old scripts. Maybe it was from a coach or from a parent. Or maybe it was an alcoholic rage yourself. And and you received a script. And now you've internalized those messages. And you're living out those negative messages. The good news in the gospel is we can reject negative scripts. And we can put God's script in our mind, in our spirit. And we can be transformed as an individual. You don't have to be controlled by triggers forever you can be led by the Spirit of God. You can make different choices. Paul says be transformed. Everyone say transformed. And the result of a transformed mind is you can make spiritual decisions. You can walk after the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It is our response we have, it is our responsibility to control our response. But it's God's Word that gives us the power to change. It's God's Word that gives us the power to change. Today I want to talk to you in all this whole series. I'm diving into the Bible and I'm looking at different people in the Scripture that I would consider had been triggered. I'm going to look at a man today in the Bible uh, who was a colossal figure. He's a giant in Scripture. The Bible actually says that he's the humblest man that ever lived. Of course, Christ himself would be the ultimate person as the God-man, but yet as a human being that did not have a divine nature. His name is Moses. He was a human just like you and I. He grappled with the realities of fears and insecurities, and, and yet he, had, he, he walked with God. And, and, and I think sometimes we forget that. People in the Bible are real people. Peter was a real person. Paul was a real person. Esther was a real person. And we forget that sometimes. We we forget that these are real people with real challenges, with real insecurities, seeking to walk with a real God. And Moses. Moses is a hero of mine. I've loved studying him over the years. I love when I, in my Bible reading, when we get to all the chapters in Exodus and we read the, 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 the great leadership of Moses, but also the great frailty of The human flesh, the nature of his human depravity, how he grappled with different things and insecurities. And fear. And one of the things that Moses dealt with his whole life was anger. I don't know exactly why that is. I'm going to take a shot at it today. But I think that one of the things that marked Moses' life, he was a fiery individual. He was a passionate individual. And yet that passion would get real close to the edge. And there's times when it'd step over the line. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open in Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20 on the Old Testament. I want to look at Moses' life. I want to extract some principles from here. Each week, I'm going to be looking at different biblical characters using the framework and the template of triggers, why they were triggered, how they were triggered, and the lessons that we can learn as we're getting in our journey of walking with God, reducing and eliminating them in our life. Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there. That's Moses' sister. Miriam died there and was buried there. Boom. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Boom. Boom. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died with our, when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have, you brought, why have you done this? Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? Boom. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us up to this evil place? Is it not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates? And, nor, nor is there any water to drink. Moses, we need water. Why have you led us here? Why did you do this? So Moses and Aaron, his brother. Aaron was Moses' brother. Miriam was Moses' sister. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And and they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord descended. God met them. When we cry out to God, God meets us. God will speak to us. We serve a God that's not mute. He's alive and he's speaking and he's communicating to his creation, to us, to his children. And yes, God speaks. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod. Moses had a rod. It was a sign of his authority. Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation, gather them together. By the way, this is not the first time he did that. It's not the first time he did it. Multiple times he was to gather the congregation in different moments, different situations. One other situation, he actually was in the same scenario where they needed water. So it's the second time he did this. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation, speak, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield water. And thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock and give the congregation to their an- and their animals. Give them water. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron, they gathered the assembly together before the rock, and, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Boy, that's a nice pastoral greeting. How are all you backsliders doing this? Well, I'm just telling you, that's what... I didn't say that, Moses did. Okay, don't get mad at me. This is in the Bible. Just think about it. That's a pastoral greeting. Listen, all you rebels gather together. Watch this. Hmm, that was symptomatic of something deeper that was happening on the inside of him. Moses lifted his hand and he struck the rock. He struck the rock twice with his rod and the water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. He struck not once. Bam! Listen, you rebels. Must we bring water from the rock? Moses lifted his rod. Boom, he hits it once. That's not what God told you to do. Boom, he hits it again. Take that. I hope you enjoy the water. That's not what God said to do, Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. What do you mean he didn't believe me? He didn't do what God said. You didn't believe me to, to hollow me, to hold me up as holy in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring the assembly into the land which I've given them. Wow. In other words, you're going to go up on Mount Nebo in Jordan, modern-day Jordan. You're going to look over the Jordan River. You're going to look into the promised land, but you're not bringing them in. You went too far. I'm going to give you a little background here, and I want to give you a little bit of what I believe is going on in Moses' life. Number one, we have to understand how Moses grew up. Moses was displaced. If you understand Pharaoh, remember there was an edict all throughout Egypt that all the Hebrew children, two and under, Pharaoh knew that a deliverer was about to come forth. In the same way that Herod knew that a deliverer was going to come forth, his name was Jesus, 1,500 years after that. Pharaoh knew, and, and, and there was an edict to, call, to kill all the Hebrew boys. And so what did Moses' mother do? She took Moses, and she put him in the river. Actually, Moses' name, do you know what it means? It actually means drawn out of the water. Why is that? He was, he was, she gave him as an act of mercy, hoping that he would not be killed. She gave him. The problem was he was, he was he was ultimately raised in another home, in another culture, in another lifestyle. Now he interacted with his mom in a supernatural way, but he wasn't raised by his mom and dad and his parents in a normal way. Matter of fact, he was a Hebrew boy raised in an Egyptian world he was separated and displaced and there was something on the inside of him where he knew that this is just this is not right if you ever sit with psychologists they'll tell you the two impact in a person's soul is a loss of face and a loss of place he lost his place we often define reality by the primal relationships in our life in our first formative years Year one, year two, year three, year four. And here it is, Moses is this young boy, and he's growing and and he's gifted by God, and yet, and, and yet it was it was there was a disorientation. And I, I wonder, I wonder if that fiery, passionate personality, I wonder if at times, I, I wonder when he would go through situations, well, he did. His sister that he reconnected with, chapter 20 opens, she dies. You think that might have been a trigger for Moses? Yeah. How about this? Let's add another one. There was a, not only the loss of his sister after he'd regained relationship, but now there's also a need in the community, a legitimate need. Sometimes it's not those big, bad, evil things out there, but sometimes it's just the cares of life Jesus talks about. We've got children to raise. We've got bills to pay. We've got things we got to do, and it's just the cares of life. There's loss. There's need. And that would have been bad enough. But then there was the accusation of his leadership. Boy, that's tough. Talk about hitting a guy when he's down. Yeah, you're supposed to be a leader. You've let us out here. We're absolutely busted. We have no water. We're dying, Moses. You're not a good leader. I think it was that day where... Moses' triggers got the best of him. Wow. Things began to unravel after he went into prayer. God spoke to him. By the way, God gave him the solution. Here's what you need to do. But when he faced the people, the anger and his frustration and his irritation, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. You think it was a minor offense? He didn't go into the promised land. Question, Pastor Steve, time out. Are you suggesting that anger is bad? Here's what I am suggesting. Anger can be good if it's used appropriately, but when it steps over the line, it can be very destructive. Let me give you a definition for anger. Here it is. You guys ready? Anger. A strong feeling of intense displeasure, hostility, or indignation. He He felt that. That results from a real or imagined threat He experienced that. Insults. He experienced that. Frustration. Absolutely. Or injustice towards yourself or others. A hundred percent. We all experience anger. God has created us not just as a mind, not just as a body, but with emotions. And, and, and God has designed us to be able to experience the whole range of emotion, of, of happiness and joy and sadness. Jesus wept when he looked over the city of Jerusalem. Don't tell me that God didn't create us with a realm of emotions, and yet, and God also created us with this emotion that's intense, it's fiery, it gets, it gets triggered in, in, a, in a good way when we see injustice. But if we don't control it, it actually can be destructive. So in one sense, God has given us this gift to feel. But in another sense, if if it gets out of proportion and out of control, it can burn down a whole house. Fifteen times in the Bible, in the same verse, anger and fire are put together. I wonder why. I think God was giving us an image. Think about a fire just for a moment. A fire in a fireplace, it warms the house. It warms the house. You can cook with fire. You can warm a house with fire medically you can focus that fire and it can become a laser and it can do it can help human beings and it can do great good but you let that fire get out of control last year i remember reading largest fire in california's history you guys may remember this last i think it was last summer it was started from a a reveal party a couple went out there. Did y'all see that? How many did y'all see that last time? They were, you know, in a reveal party, it's a boy, it's a girl. Well, that was a, that was a big splash. <laughs> Burned down a half million acres. By the way, they got the third largest fires going on right now in California, and there's another one in Oregon. What's my point? My point is fire's not bad as long as it's controlled, as long as it's contained. You let that thing jump out the fireplace, burn down a whole house. When our anger, when it's controlled, And God allows us to feel, but when it gets connected to our tongue and it jumps out the fireplace and we slash our spouse and we slash our kids and we slash our coworkers, there's massive collateral damage. Moses, God told you to speak, but you struck. Don't strike the rock. Man, it creates problems. The Bible says clearly, be angry and sin not. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, 26, be angry and don't sin. I'm not in any way suggesting that God would tell us that we cannot feel. I understand there's a right and appropriate way when we grieve, when we feel, and we can feel deeply, and, we, and we're, we're, it's okay to feel deeply and to be passionate and to be angry about things. But when you allow that to jump out the fireplace... And you focus it on a person and you get on social media and you start slamming people. And you start, when, when, you, when you slam your kid. And I've done it. Man, I've regretted what I've said to my kids at times. Man, I've regretted what I've said to Jennifer at times. Wow. God wants us to live differently. We can feel, but we can be in control, under God's control. Let me give you three ways to tame your anger. How many of of y'all, I'm going to ask all of our campuses, all right, I'm your, remember, my name's Steve, I'm your pastor, and I'm your friend. (laughs) How many of y'all would be honest enough to say there's been times when the fire's got out the fireplace and anger's gotten a little bit out of control? Okay. The rest of you, you're liars. We'll have a prayer of repentance (laughs) We'll have a prayer of repentance for everybody. I'm just joking. (laughs) I didn't call you rebels. That's Moses. But anyway, so. All right, let me give you three steps to tame your anger. You guys ready? Here we go. Remember the framework, the template we're going to use every week. Number one, be aware. Be in tune with what's going on around you. Your environments, your situations, the relationships. Perhaps if Moses would have identified the situational stress, the relational grief he was under, with the loss of his sister. If he could have identified the anger that was burning inside him because of the accusation of his leadership. I wish I wish Aaron would have said, "Moses, sit this one out. I got this one, Moses. We both heard from God. Let me deal let, just let you you're, let, let me let me deal with this or, or I, I wish somebody on this team, I wish somebody could have could have could have just interrupted him for a moment. Moses, time out, man. Time out. It's okay to grieve, Miriam. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve. I heard somebody one time, a preacher. It was just a whole, it was the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. And I'm trying to always be positive. I'm never critical of other pastors. But he talked about this person's relative had died and let the dead bury the dead. He's misquoting scripture. I'm like, wait, wait, time out. Time out. God gives us, God, Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. That God gives us space in our soul to be able to grieve and to be able to feel. Matter of fact, I'll never forget a lady I was shaking hands after Christmas Eve service a couple years ago, probably ten years ago. And she came up. She goes, "Pastor, the first time," uh, and because I wouldn't see her in December, and I'd be like, "Where did you go?" And she would sit real close right up front. And I would see. I, you know, I recognize. Oh, by the way, all the people I can, I know when you're not in church. <laughs> if you sit close, I just I can see you too right there. She goes past. I'll be honest. It's hard for me to come during the holidays because I'd hold hands with my hands with my husband, and it's just hard. It's okay if we we'll recognize what's going on in our life. Be aware, everyone say be aware. I never forget. One time I was preaching about stress, and and you know the psychologists give you seven key stress points in your life, and. And, and I was reading the list and I was preaching I was like oh my gosh I got six going on right now <laughs> you know you know, move you know have a baby you know all these different things you know be aware there's a loss number two there's a legitimate need boy he was under it man number three he was under accusation you're not performing at work you're not doing your job you're not hitting your quota you're not making it happen oh and there's that trigger. Number one, everybody say, be aware. be aware. I think it's important that we're all aware of the complexities of our lives, the weight in our life, the responsibilities. Like, for example, I I'd finished school and graduate school, and I've always wanted to go back and get my doctor. I knew that I couldn't do that when my boys were in high school. I'm coaching football. I'm, well, I wouldn't coach in high school when they were little I was, but I was at the games. And, well, actually, I was coaching. I wasn't on the field. Come on, dads, don't look so stinking holy at me. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And my daughter, my three older ones, now I have an 11-year-old at home, but I knew there was a lot of output there, and I knew that I couldn't be on the weekends writing papers that I had to stay interactive with them. The problem is we'll overload our lives, then we'll get mad at God because we don't have grace. When God was trying to warn us, time out, you got a lot on your plate. There's some loss, there's a big need. There's a lot of needs in your family right now, Steve. And then you get one little bump, and it pushes you over the edge. You think that I ever get any emails about from people that are disappointed in me? Just, just do you think? <laughs> do you think ever? Can you imagine? Let me just say this. Pray for pastors right now, please. Pray for pastors. One of the hardest jobs. I and mean, I'm not trying to like get a little small violin pastor. <laughs> Can you imagine the comp- just pray for pastors, God-fearing pastors that are preaching the Bible? It is challenging. Now, what's my point? Be aware. Everyone say Be aware. Let me give you the second thing here. Not only be aware, but be prayerful. You know what we often do? We have a need. We have a concern. We call a friend. I'm an advocate for interdependency. We believe in community. We believe in small groups at church. We believe in connecting. We believe in all that. But but, but before you pick up the phone and call a friend, don't forget to pick up a phone and call God. Again, I advocate, the Bible advocates connecting with one another, but don't forget God. Matter of fact, you know what Moses did? And he was doing right. He was doing so well. He brought his friend to pray together. He and Aaron went, said, let's go pray. Now, he was angry about it. Let's go pray for these jerks. Okay, let's just go. But he at least took the right step. Please don't miss this. I got just about four or five minutes. Please stay with me. This is so important. He at least went to the right source. He went to prayer. If we would go to prayer before we would go to Facebook, our life would change. I am shocked how mean people are today. How hurtful they are. People in our church, by the way. I saw two people in our church arguing last week on Facebook. And I thought, for the, for, for the sake of the gospel, can you just shut up and quit criticizing your friend? Please, let's go to Christ. The solution is in God right now. Man, I'm preaching, and you need to hear it. Moses and Aaron went to prayer. They cried out to God. They cried out to God. That's where our hope comes from. God, speak to us. Oh, Lord, speak to us. And I say that today. God, we need you in our nation. Lord, we need you in our homes, in our families, in our churches. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. And God doesn't get freaked out. God, you're not waking up God on a Sunday afternoon nap. He's like, what's going on down there? <laughs> Psalms 142.2, I'll pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. God wants us to come before him. God's not insecure. He's not nervous. Pour out your complaint. Pour out your frustrations before God first. Talk to God before you talk to somebody else. Trying to help you. I'm right there with you. How do we tame our anger? Everyone say, Be aware. aware. Some of you guys got so much stuff. I'm telling you, you're right on the edge. You're right there. 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 It just takes one more push, boom, and you're right over the edge. And that fire is raging out of that fireplace. Number two, be prayerful. Number three, here it is, be deliberate. God spoke, God gave directions. God gave instructions. Verse eight: Take the rod. The rod is a sign of authority. It was a sign of authority. Moses wasn't the ultimate authority. Remember this: No human is ultimately in charge. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How many are grateful that we serve a God that is in charge? Everybody is ultimately under His authority. Take the rod. You and your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation together. That was a symbol of God's authority, that He was under God's authority. The problem was he disobeyed. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield water. Stop right there. Just stop, just do Just do that. Just do that, and everybody's problem solved. Your problem, your brothers, everybody. God spoke. God spoke. And thus you shall bring, you shall do what? Bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. I'm going to give you extra. The whole group's going to be fed. The whole group's going to be satiated. Verse 10 and 11. He said to them, here now, he will to them. Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Uh-oh, you're mad. You're mad. You're ticked. You're mad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't press send. (coughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Walk away, walk away, walk away, (coughs) walk away, walk away. Walk away. Don't do it. Don't do it. Circle the block. I'm trying to help you right now. Circle the block. Don't do it. Don't do! Don't no 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 no! Don't put it! Don't 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 not mail it! Don't mail it! No no not, not yet! Not yet! Not yet! Not yet! Not yet! Not yet! You're gonna cut them! You're gonna cut them! It's gonna be irreparable! Don't do this! Don't do this! God gave a solution! God gave him instructions! And he presses send. You bunch of rebels! You want this? I'll give it to you. Bam! He misused God's authority. Ooh. Bam! He did it again. Don't strike the rock. Some of you are right there. I've done it. I've had to go back. It's funny, my son, my older son, he's so funny. He goes, I was rough, man. I shouldn't have said something. I shouldn't have. This was about two years ago. And of course, I sent a text back and he goes, I was waiting for you to apologize. You always do, Dad. Yeah. Wait. (laughs) And I I forgive you. Learn from my mistakes. Pastor, why is it? I'll give you just one last thought, and I'm done. I got to just stop. Why is it that we do that? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. When your need overrides your conviction, that gap is where you get deceived. What do I mean? His need for retaliation was greater than his conviction God had spoken. When your emotional need to be right, to be vindicated, to be whatever, you fell in the bike. There's so much strife in our culture, today. in homes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's tension in homes, political tension. There's families that won't even talk yet. They're different politically. They they have different thoughts about COVID. They have different responses to that. And it's just right down the middle, cutting things. That doesn't have to be that way for kingdom people. No, 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 no. We can be honorable. We can love one another. We can respect one another. We can honor God. We should not strike the rock. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. All right, I'm finished. So, let's go ahead and stand. I'm gonna pray for you right where you are. One minute. By the way, we moved our 11:30 service to 11:15. Lots of reasons why. Our workers wanted to give them more part of the day. But I just want to pray for you, Lord. Hey, if you feel comfortable, let me say this, guys. All of our campuses that are watching me right now, if you feel comfortable putting your hands like this, if not, it's fine. I just want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you'd heal our hearts, that we wouldn't strike the rock, that we'd speak to it. Yeah. Lord, I've messed up, man. I know I've blown it at times. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you don't throw me away. Thank you that you give me another chance. But Lord, I'm asking for healing. Heal hearts right now. Lord, ease the tension by your Holy Spirit. Come upon people by your presence. May there be clarity of mind, clarity of thought. I pray for peace in homes right now. Peace in homes. Lord, give us the grace to do our part. Give us the wisdom of knowing when to send or not to send it. When do we circle around the block again? Spirit of God, heal, restore, quicken, make new. I pray blessing over every man, woman, boy, and girl in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we do that? Love you guys. I'll see you next week.